0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your hosts, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder. On another Thursday morning of political talk on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com, around the world, and Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And Phil, thanks for flying solo, your first solo mission last week, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it as as much as uh, you know the little back and forth banter here. Um, I, Michael, I missed you. I so, did. I, I was, know you were
1: having a good time in Israel. I was so
0: soliciting that I got to tell you. Uh, but
1: I did. I did miss you, and
0: uh, I got so many comments that the show just wasn't the same without you. Well, I, that could cut both ways, so <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll have we'll have to leave that aside. <laughs> and it is a rainy morning here in uh, New York, and I think that matches the mood of uh, congressional Republicans right now, looking at a special election. Yes, yet again, another special election out there. Uh, in the state of Montana for the uh, one house seat in the state of Montana, one house seat for the entire state. I think that actually, uh, well, aside from Alaska, that's the biggest district in the biggest house district in the nation. And what happened last night? I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. No matter if Democrat or Republican, so, how exactly does this happen? Okay, before we get into it, and, and I want to just be clear is that we have talked
1: about this about race being bellwether races and and if a Democrat wins, it shows the disapproval for the president. And if the Republican wins, it shows that people are happy with the president. Again, this idea that that these races are somehow indicative of where the country is going as we slowly get into the midterm elections of 2018. And so the, the backdrop of all of this is that it's not just another house race. It's another race that's going to be used as an indicator, an indicator of whether President Donald Trump is doing a good job or and whether other House members in 2018 are going to be threatened. To be take it even a step farther, we're even looking at state legislative races to make these determinations, whether are the Democrats leaning uh, towards the victories, are the Republicans leaning towards the victories as we come up I mean, we're not... I take that back. We're not coming up to, to the midterms. We're still long ways away from the midterm elections. Yeah, we're,
0: we're at least one general election away from but,
1: the... But these races are
0: actually already being talked about in that way. And so with that, last night was... W- last night is kind of inexplicable. Uh, it, we, what you had was the Republican candidate... Uh, uh, what's his name again? <laughs> G- G- huh? Giancarlo... No, Quinn is the... Oh, the re- Republican, Gene Gian, Forte. Gene Forte, right. Gianforte. He actually apparently body slammed the reporter and uh, he took him down and then and then basically cursed at him. I mean, it's just, it's it's hard to believe. He actually had, it seems the endorsement, he had a huge money advantage. He had all the endorsements of all the papers in the state who have now withdrawn all their endorsements. He's been charged with misdemeanor assault. So it's almost as if the Republicans are better off losing this race from my point of view. Instead of having a guy who is under a assault charge, having to answer for that, going into Congress, and then you have this whole problem of the leadership, they have to distance themselves for him. Do the do, Does everybody have to condemn him? In fact, I mean, just, to give you, you know, I saw early th- earlier this morning uh, the Billings Gazette, okay, that, which had endorsed uh, had endorsed Gianforte. Uh, he said we're at a loss for words. That's This is what the editorial said already online. We believe that you cannot love America, love the Constitution, talk about the importance of a free press, and then pummel a reporter. And I have to say, the fact that we're at this point in our politics, the fact that we have this point in America, that the idea that it has to be said that you can't pummel a reporter, you have to, can't <laughs> pummel anybody, right? It, it, like, even if they get in your face, even if they're asking you uncomfortable questions, even if you don't like what they have to say, even if you disagree with them politically, and of course, you know, reporters are not actually supposed to have that, they're just there to, to report, even if somebody puts a microphone in your face and you say, please stop, it doesn't give you the right to assault them. And the fact that we're even talking about it, this is a a, a, a race that has that been covered nationally. This was reported from The Guardian. This is not even a—this is a British newspaper that's covering this race. The fact that it really makes America the laughingstock, our democracy right now, the laughingstock.
1: It's a very sad state of affairs. I mean, look, even if—and the report from The Guardian, even if he was being aggressive and he was being— forceful and he was being rude and he was being obnoxious and he kept badgering and asking questions over and over again. That would not justify putting your hands on him. and, and as it has since been explained, he literally put his ha- both hands around his throat and threw him to the ground. And I, I want to you know I want to talk a little bit about how this played out, and you'll excuse me because I, I don't know how, how it played out. In give your- it to us straight. No look, I saw the, the tweet from The Guardian reporter. I think his name is Ben Jacobs. yes. I saw the tweet from possibly a member of the tribe. Possibly a member of the tribe. Uh, we can do a little research.
0: Uh, our producers will get right on that. They have uh, said in the past that Montana can be a dangerous place for members of the tribe. So,
1: Michael, while, while I'm doing this, if you can, I would, I would love for you to read the statement put out. Um, because I think it's so important. If we can find the statement yeah, that Forty that that put out. But but let me sort of lay this out. And so he tweets out very simply that I was just a body slam by Forty. That was like the tweet that was put out. Because as we all know, Twitter is the new medium of choice to get your message out um to the masses and so he tweeted that out and all of a sudden the responses were fascinating is this real is it real did this really happen are you joking is this just some elaborate hoax and he responded no this is real i was body slammed and so all of a sudden and i want to say this because i uh was had i was at my last night and i i was i saw people and everybody's like clearly this was just the liberal media being aggressive you know spinning the spinning the whole um this whole story this is just unfair once again the democrats you see what the democrats are doing they're they're making a big deal out of nothing and so i really had no response because i didn't know if that's the truth and i'm just sort of going on what i know i know that i saw the tweet and i hadn't seen anything else the statement came out and jean forty put out a statement i'm going to read it word for word so no one can can, can question Tonight, as Greg and Greg Forty was was giving a separate interview in a private office, the Guardian's Ben Jacobs entered the office without permission, aggressively shoved a recorder in Greg's face, and began asking badgering questions. Jacobs, Jacobs was asked to leave. After asking Jacobs to lower the recorder, Jacobs declined. Greg then attempted to grab the phone that was pushed in his face. So he's already admitting, by the way, right there. I'm going to stop for a moment. He's already admitting he attempted to grab the phone you don't attempt to grab the phone or recorder from Porter. You, in your own statement, you've already uh, admitted. Or,
0: or, for, or for anybody else. Or for anybody, right? right?
1: You've already essentially admitted, right? And so to go on, Jacobs grabbed Greg's wrist and spun away from Greg, pushing them both to the ground. It's unfortunate that this aggressive behavior from a liberal journalist created this scene at our campaign volunteer barbecue, said Shane Scanlon, the spokesperson um, for and 40 And so... All of a sudden, we have a different narrative. Okay, maybe it went down differently. And by the way, I don't know. This is the way I heard the timeline. I don't know if it, exactly when each thing came out, but this is sort of the way it went down. And I said, okay, there is a different, there is a different version of the story. Maybe you know, maybe the, the reporter is being you know is just being dramatic and 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 is going above and beyond. But then the audio comes out. Remember, he was holding, he was holding a recorder, recorder right? Then the audio comes out, and the audio does not show an aggressive reporter. It doesn't even show a batching reporter. It doesn't even show a rude reporter, in as calm a voice as one could ask. Ben Jacobs basically said, "You know, ask the question about yesterday with the CBO. Uh, now the that the
0: CBO score is out, how do you feel about the, uh, the CBO, healthcare repeal about the
1: healthcare, and?" and Clearly, GN40 didn't want to respond to the question. And to his credit, as a good reporter, he asked it again. At that point, Gianforti could have walked away. He could have called his press guy. He, he, there's a hundred million ways to, to get out of this. At that point, the audio gets, gets – you could tell there's a scuffle going on. There was no – it didn't get out of hand. It was not badgering. It was not aggressive. It was literally just asking questions. And so clearly, all of a sudden, you're starting to question GN40's story. Um, And then I wake up this morning to, if you recall, Forty was actually preparing for another interview at the time. And there was three Fox News reporters, producers, staffers in the room when it happened, who all gave an eyewitness account to the exact way that Ben Jacobs said that it happened. So there's so many questions. So many questions. Number one, to all those people who I saw in shul last night, I hope I hear from you again today apologizing Must have been a big minion. Uh, I hope I hear from you apologizing about your comments. Number two is, you want to make your own version of the story, right? You want to kind of twist the truth as someone who knows that they're in trouble a bit here. It's like, "Uh uh-oh, I just did something I shouldn't have done. You want to twist the story, fine. But there were witnesses in the room. So to absolutely lie and make up your own version of events, Knowing full well that there was four people in the room who were all going to refute. Now, maybe he thought, oh, wow, they're Fox News, so maybe they won't. But they were, look, to their credit, they
0: were honest, they were straight, and they put the story out there. Well, look, I don't consider myself to be necessarily a member of the media, and I'm. but the fact that we do this on a weekly basis and we sit here and we comment on, on the goings on and we talk about politics. To a certain degree, we're interested in in arriving at some version of, of the truth. We're talking about what happened. Obviously we have to agree to to a certain as you know Republican, Democrat, we have to agree on the things that actually have happened. And I do accept this idea that there is should be a common truth out there. You can have opinions about it. There, that seems to be lost here. The very fact that they can make this statement, put out this statement, and blame the liberal media for this is just is astounding. And he even makes a reference in the recording to The Guardian, are you from The Guardian, as if, okay, you're from The Guardian, now I can attack you, because it's okay. It's really, it's quite, I mean, do you can certainly connect the dots here about the fact that the attack on the media, the attacks on the media during the campaign, the dishonest media, untruthful media, the media being the enemy of the, of the state. And, but I just think at this point now, we, we, the idea that we are, that we are, have now crossed into a, a, a line where we don't see wall to wall condemnations here of, of by Republicans of their candidate here. Um, I, 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 it's it's amazing that you would go ahead knowing what you know about this. Okay, maybe you don't want to vote for the Democrat here if you're uh, if you're in Montana. But co- clearly, this guy's unfit to hold public office. Okay, if you assault somebody else, you're unfit to hold public office. I mean, that's just that's just the way I feel. And it's particularly if you, if you assault a member of the media. What's going to happen at the first town hall meeting or wherever your constituent comes and gets into his face and say, you know, um. I mean, I'm sure you've had it, you know, somebody comes and says, you know, I'm angry about this, gets in your face, starts yelling at you. Is he going to deck them as well? I it's just it, oh, is it going to happen on the house floor? I mean, how does this guy this guy can't respond to the pressure? I mean, look, campaigns are pressure packed about. A lot of people do and say things when it comes to campaigns. But this is not a civilized way to respond and it's it's just it's totally shocking. It's shocking that it happened. But, to me, it's shocking that it happened. Uh, no,
1: I agree with that. No, and I, I, I probably should have started. I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's, it's shocking that something like this could happen for someone who is running for public office. I mean, I mean this happens in like in, in, in you know, non-democratic countries. But I mean, his press secretary, and I hope you know, and I, you know, I don't know the guy, but like. Clearly, he wasn't giving good advice because whether he was in the room or not, or he should have done a proper job of understanding the situation and crafting a message. Well, By the way, at that point, maybe walking away from the race and saying, you "Well, know, he should
0: have created a buffer anyway between the uh, between the candidate and the press." Correct. I mean, that's, that's the first thing. But he didn't do his job. But you know what? I want to leave. There's so much to talk about this week. I want to leave this aside. People, in Montana, those that are listening out there, I just want to make sure. Go do the right thing. And uh, if you can't feel yourself to vote for the Democrat, please don't vote for this guy. I I don't even know what to say. Obviously, one mistake shouldn't ruin your entire career. But let's talk about somebody whose one mistake seems or a continued single mistake has ruined their entire career. Anthony Weiner has Uh. pled guilty. I know we could finally close the chapter on Anthony Weiner because we're probably not going to see much of him again. He has now uh, pled guilty finally. I mean, the amazing part is a guy who we both know uh, you know, was a generation kind of ahead, politically ahead of both of us in New York state politics. Uh, a guy, a scrapper, a guy who really made it a name for himself could, I think, pretty easily have been mayor of New York. And even after. Even after. Even and after. threw it all away on, I mean, just the most bizarre. Just. It, it, I don't even want to go into it because it's a family channel. Uh, just the most bizarre behavior. Now he is a going to be a convicted felon, uh, registered sex offender, divorced from his wife, brought down in a certain way. Well, I don't want to say... Ended the campaign, but will be blamed by many Democrats as being responsible for Hillary Clinton not winning in 2016. I don't believe that's true personally, but I will say he will be blamed by many Democrats for that. Uh, So Anthony Wiener, one way or another, has achieved his footnote in history. I... I you know,
1: this is hard for me to comment. Anthony Weiner was a very close personal friend. Um,
0: you Schumer people all sick together.
1: I mean, look, he did work for Senator Schumer. I worked for Senator Schumer. I, You know, I, I think that more than that, you know, he was my congressman for for a very long time. That's right. And regardless, you know, and I, I want to be clear, because before we got into this liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, like the, the polarized world and, and country we're currently living in, there is a time where regardless the, of the fact that Anthony Weiner was actually a very liberal Democrat... He was loved in his very conservative district, and I know that district because I represented it in the in the state assembly. He used to get you know astounding results in air in in hardcore conservative areas of Breezy Point and Howard Beach and Bell Harbor, and you know why? Because the man Anthony Weiner, for whatever you're going to say about him, was a an absolute workhorse. I mean, the guy would work day and night, and so while he was, um. He may have been to the left when he was in Washington, and he may have had left leanings. At the end of the day, he did a, an amazing job of representing the people um, of, of Brooklyn, of, of Rockaway, of Queens, um, when it came to fighting for things they cared about, right? So whether you're a Democrat or Republican, as, as you've heard me say so many times before, you care about the the beach erosion on the beach, right? You care about protections from Hurricane Sandy. You care about real flood relief and flood insurance reform. And so those are the things that that, that sort of Anthony Weiner put a, put aside politics just to work for the people. And it just makes this story all that much more,
0: I don't want to say tragic, because he kind of brought it this... It is tr- tragic. It's
1: tragic, but he brought it upon himself.
0: I mean, well, I, he, if you've seen the movie and if you've seen the documentary about his, it, it, it's tragic. You see that he clearly needed help and just couldn't, couldn't get, for whatever reason, just couldn't get past the issues that he had. Just strange issues. Um, hopefully, uh, you know he gets help now. But he just he couldn't help himself. I. It's just and you know, and it's clear that he realizes it's it's destructive behavior, and he continues to practice it. But again, we, we gotta, you know, that'll be our uh, our last word with regard to Anthony Weiner. We, we got to... We we got to talk about the Israel trip. No no no. Okay, I, one I, well, more just, one know, more I, word I for the say, former look, I, congressman, I <laughs> former councilman, say, look, congressman Anthony. He won a lot of tough races as well. He I have did.
1: To say. He absolutely did. And I I you know I look I, I know that he's you know whatever ultimately he gets uh, whatever he, the sentencing is or whatever the punishment is you know I'll, I hope that he gets the help he needs because clearly he has a sickness. I mean he has just been an, a, a really great friend and uh, I hope that he finally this is sort of finally the thing and sort of the knock on the head that sort of. Sets it straight and, and and makes him right. I don't think there's ever a return to public office, but it you know sort of putting his life back together. I kind of only wish him well. Israel trip,
0: Middle East trip. I mean, as a uh, couple foibles on there that we we definitely need to address. But the the definitely the one thing that I'm going to remember is the president arriving in Israel, going to the president's President Rivlin's residence, and saying that he just returned from the Middle East. And Ron Dermer, uh, who I who I saw actually uh, had Shabbos dinner with, uh, well, in close proximity to last uh, last Friday night, just shaking his head in disbelief, uh, as as were most people there, uh, that they just could not believe that this was going on. I but I guess to a certain degree, you know, it's all about context. And maybe President Trump thinks of Saudi Arabia being in a different world than Israel and and the like. But. Uh, Rex Tillerson, of course, the Secretary of State, saying that calling Tel Aviv the uh, historical capital of Judaism, uh, which I thought was another gem, then of course he admitted he'd never been to Israel and really knew very little about Israel, um, could have done a little bit of reading up on the thing, I would say, Um, but uh, I think Tel Avivians would actually be upset by this, by the idea of being called, because they're not, they're particularly not the religious, uh, you know, the religious type, you know, want to be the, the Jewish capital, but I think you know. Just to get more serious for a second, not to point out all the uh, all the foibles, uh, you know, you want to look. I, I think back you know, as I have as having been in Israel and met with a number of officials and former officials uh, while I was there. You drink a lot of coffee when you're in Israel, particularly when you're only there for a couple of days. Uh, you know, so you spend a lot of time having coffee with people. A lot of Israelis, um, particularly those, that are, are really nervous. I mean, they they see. Uh, you know, Trump coming into office, David Freeman being appointed, all the right signals, and then all of a sudden now, it looks like this administration is going to try and strong arm the Israelis into making a a particularly bad deal. I mean, because the administration putting so much faith in Mahmoud Abbas, a weak leader, uh, tremendous faith in in his ability to deliver. But, you know, I just want to go back to Naftali Bennett, when he talked about the uh, Trump's victory. So Trump's victory is an opportunity for Israel to immediately retract the notion of a Palestinian state. And guess what? That is not happening now. Well, hold on. I mean, no, this is know, a whole. This might be a little bit of a wake up call for a lot of Israelis because what didn't happen here? Well, the we pro- didn't. We didn't get any. We we, we Trump comes to Israel. He says oh, the Saudis are going to lead some kind of plan here. It's not clear as to what that is. I don't know if it's a two-state solution or one-state solution that we're talking about because he seems to be open to either. He doesn't move the embassy to Jerusalem. He's very light on the facts. He doesn't really pressure the Palestinians to doing anything as far as payments to terrorists, which is the big. Which is the big thing that Israel is looking for right now? I don't know. I mean, you got to be, you got to wonder. I mean, it was nice. It was long on pageantry, it was long on pomp and circumstance. I think there was very warm, I think Trump made a very, very warm speech towards Israel. And I think that was very noteworthy. Um, certainly a different mood. And and most people have kind of this idea anybody but Obama. And there's certainly no love for Barack Obama in, anywhere in Israel, in any quarter, left or right, truthfully. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of nervousness about Trump.
1: Yeah, I, look I, I agree with that, but the nervousness doesn't come from anything that he said or any statement he made. The nervousness came from the fact that he it was very light on detail. I think much like some of the other things we've seen in this administration, whether it was uh, tax reform or, or some of the other ideas that were put forth, there was no there was no information. There was no talk of one state or two state. Now, yeah, I, I credit where credit is due. His speech where he sort of had a very tough speak, I, I think I you commend him for that. I mean, I you know, you can credit again starkly different, huge contrast to President Obama, who 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 you didn't walk away with a warm and fuzzy feeling. So if nothing else, you at least walk away with a warm and fuzzy feeling that we're in somewhat of a better position now in terms of, of our relationship with Israel and, and our direction. But there are no details yet. And by the way, and I, I would say this at day, I don't know, 120 at this point, I'm okay with that, I think. I mean, it's I don't think he's claimed victory, meaning I think the president has set forth a, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm a deal maker. This is what I came here to do. I think he is sort of set he's setting expectations very high, but he has not yet claimed victory. And so if he walks away from this trip and says, look what I was able to accomplish next week, the week after, I think you and I would take him to task for that. But I don't think he's done that. I think that the purpose of these trips is sort of lay out your agenda. I mean, and, and sort of show show that you're serious about what you're trying to do. I don't necessarily think he needed to put those details out now out now or draw that land in the sand. I think that's something that, that we need to start to see over the next coming weeks, coming months and coming years. But, you know, generally I think that this was a put aside the gaffes is not I you know, I, I, I hesitate. It's funny, I shouldn't hesitate.
0: It was almost a successful trip. Oh, I agree. I think there's no question it, it, it does show that for the most part aside from, uh, as I said, a couple a couple foul-ups, if you put a full schedule of events in front of the president and have staff around him the entire time, he can perform. He is actually a showman. He does put on an excellent show. And I think for a large part, you know, he's doing that. And all in all, there are a lot of good people in this administration. There are a lot of people who know what they're doing, who know to get the stuff done. I mean, there are some people, I think, who are not particularly good in this administration. But there are some very strong people, uh, there. And clearly, I, I have to be honest, the fact that the Saudis hosted, and you might call this lip service, but they hosted, I don't know, 50, 40, 50 you know, Muslim leaders there and ha- and basically were lectured by P- President Trump about extremism and terrorism. And they kind of sat there and and took, took it. it. Right. That's significant. That's not insignificant. No, I let's agree. Let's give it the double negative. Let's say it's not Insignificant. So from that point of view, I thought that was very impressive. Um, You know, there were, as I said, a couple things. I mean, the president obviously blurting out the idea uh, after he, not the idea, basically confirming the fact that he leaked sensitive intelligence Provided by Israel to the in, Russians in front. I mean, it was, uh, in it front, was, front of it was, Netanyahu. It's, it's, I mean, these are those me. cringeworthy moments. Just out don't there. do it. That's right. it's like, you know, it's it's, like it's, just so, stop. It's always self-inflicted. It's amazing how much is self-inflicted in this administration. Can we
1: just say that the reporters were actually leaving the room? Right, and it was over. Trump stop them. Wait, wait. I have something more to tell you.
0: I have something more to tell you. I didn't do it.
1: It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I and, didn't and do this it. This was in front of the prime minister. Okay, but 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 that aside, again, and and, and I'm not looking to, to sort. of – But again, it wasn't necessary, and we've talked about this a lot. And I want to I want to be clear because I I spoke a lot last week, and uh, Michael, I'm sure you listened to the show. Is that of course? We're not here just to to beat up. I'm not, look. Gotta I get my I, fix. I I want I, I want us to be fair and 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 have a, a sort of tell the story as 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 fair as possible. And the truth is, is that he he made that mistake. He didn't have to like it was something in his conscience or something that was annoying at him. He had to say it to the press. He doesn't like to be wrong. And so... He
0: doesn't like to be told he's wrong.
1: And I think that, like, this was really, you know, I don't want to say a flawless trip, but this was a really good trip. I think a positive trip. And... And uh, you know we're getting, we're I think we're we're getting closer to 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 where we need to be, and and quite frankly, it was just nice to not talk about Russia and not talk about Comey well, and not talk about collusion. the second
0: he gets back, we're going to have to talk about it. We got to talk about it right now because I got to tell you what's going on now is going to be uh, finally President Trump has been told I, to lawyer up, and hopefully he will lawyer up, and a lot of people will tell him to basically for lack of a better word, shut up, about the Russia investigation because all he does is dig the hole deeper. Uh, Mike Flynn seems to be in serious trouble, but it is curious that Trump has hired as his personal lawyer Mark Kasowitz uh, from Kasowitz, Benson, and... Okay, same firm as David Friedman, same firm as Joe Lieberman, who he wants to have as FBI director. Clearly, that's not going to happen because there's no way, possibly... But the problem is with Kasowitz, of course, that he has Russia ties, and there's nothing wrong with the lawyer being a lawyer and representative of Russian banks and Russian officials and Russian oligarchs, but the optics about when you're being investigated or at least your campaign is being investigated with regard to that, and the tampering and the Russia, the whole thing, you just got to get away from it. There has to be a way that he has to make a decision that somebody has to say, enough with the Russia thing. I mean, there's just so much. And then, of course, last yesterday comes out that Jeff Sessions lied on his forums the same way to omitted his meetings with the Russians. As they're saying, Jared Kushner lied Jared on his forums we knew that i mean the the pattern of hiding this russia thing just goes on and on and on and i'm just it's i do not necessarily i do not make any assumptions that there is any wrongdoing here but it is becoming the idea that this is just if you didn't do anything wrong it's just so stupid to continue to cover up
1: but this is again you know this idea of like well the liberal media just spinning it this is any American can no, go online and take a look at, at, at you know again, can take a look at at, at, at lawyers and who they represent and, and sort of look at the story here. It was almost like the day after the firing of Comey to have Russian officials and Russian dignitaries in the Oval Office. It's just, yeah. it doesn't find, bad, no. I, I want to be clear. I want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't look good, and it doesn't accomplish anything, so why do it? And that, I think, is what is frustrating. And by the way, you know, to be very clear, the president's approval ratings are at an all-time low, right? And, and so I want to see him get out of that basement but you're not going to get out of it by continuing to do the same thing over and over again and expect all of a sudden everybody's going to wake up and change it's not going to happen you've got to sort of you know put yourself out there again i'm not saying to do anything different don't do anything different because arguably you haven't done anything wrong you haven't done anything illegal or so you're claiming the optics. Start to think about the optics, and this is somebody who who cares about his public persona. Oh yeah, and his public image. Like, so why? What? Where the? Where? Where are the, the the
0: public relations people who are saying, wait a second, well, maybe that's not good for our image? But a lot of these things are so self inflicted. When you think about it, I mean, you want to. Everybody wants to attack now. Mike Flynn for taking the fifth. He's entitled to take the fifth. The problem is that the president. During the campaign, over and over, with regard to Hillary Clinton, was there basically saying, "If you take the Fifth, you're guilty." Well, that's actually not how the American system works, nor should it work. But you don't assume that somebody who takes the Fifth is guilty. But he did. Do you know so that- now that now that he's doing that, of of course, ergo, by by logic, Mike Flynn is guilty, and Mike Flynn, you know, he's entitled to a
1: fair hearing. You can make a living. Uh, literally, you can spend all day, every day, going back and looking at President Trump's statements for the last 10 years, and literally contradicting what we've heard over the last year, or it the is, last six months. It, it is. is
0: quite incredible. Well, look, we, we, have to, we have to start winding down our situation here, but uh, again, so much to talk but about. Michael, we haven't talked about Jared Novak's Shabbos troubles. The sh- well, I was just getting to that. I mean, the Shabbos troubles, I, I don't even know where to start. Look, I'm not into the firm shamey thing. The truth is, I think it's a Kiddush Hashem that if people want to keep Shabbos publicly, uh, I don't know that they necessarily have to put out press releases saying that that they got a rabbinic Heter in order to travel on Shabbos. Oh, That was
1: probably in response to concerns. I mean, that was probably who's the, concerned. I know. Look, I who's, don't. It's not. It's not my business. Right. It's, it's not, not my business, business either. I, look, everybody has, has they should, their right. They to, should do to whatever to they want. Religion they in any do.
0: way in which they choose to. But of course, if they're going to put out the statement, somebody's going to try and dig up which rabbi they asked. And of course, the JTA yesterday had a whole thing, exhaustive list of all the rabbis they're close to, and none of them were willing to. Because of course, nobody I know, no responsible Orthodox rabbi is. Gonna going to say proactively go ahead or at least put their name on it proactively you should fly on a plane on shabbos in order potentially that you might come into a situation that you might be needed in order to be caught that fish i'm just saying i'm just supposing that that's the case and i don't put it out there to begin with it's silly they just don't need to be doing it other people you know it it's curious of course that others who are shomer shabbos in the administration don't do that what i would say is that i work at yeshiva
1: university and at Shiva university we have numerous rabbis and and russia yeshiva i am not one of them they are so, there to be a resource and for and i will not and i will not comment i don't look i i appreciate that people don't question look and there's a lot of times where there was late votes on in albany on late friday and 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 I, look, everybody has to make a choice for But themselves. you didn't put out a press release. Joe Lieberman had to make choices right. for, the himself, for, for himself. Jack Lew. Right? And so all these people had to make these choices. It's Jared Navanka's choice. And, of course. And I'm not one to, to comment on of that. Of
0: course. So our spin award of the week, of course, I think I'm going to call it the Willful Blindness Award this week. Uh, Wilbur Ross, Commerce Secretary, who traveled with Trump to Saudi Arabia, basically was praising his Saudi hosts for the absence of dissent. And the guy, He was on CNBC saying that there uh, the, there was fascinating to me there was not a single hint of a protester anywhere the whole time we were there. <laughs> not one guy with the bad placard. And so the interviewer said, well, maybe it's because there's repression. Maybe they don't allow it. So he says, well, there was no sign of it. There was not a single effort anything the mood was genuinely good and i gotta tell you that is the incredible willful blindness award the reason it's not going to sean spicer this week is because i feel bad for the guy left out of the meeting with the pope uh Really surprising about who got in, who got out. I don't understand. Uh, Sean Spicer taking a lot of bullets for the president, and uh, he deserved to be in that meeting as a devout Catholic. I know from other devout Catholics. Meeting the Pope is certainly the highlight of their many of their lives. Thank you for listening here. It's been Classy on the Knockham Single Network. Stay tuned for "Julie in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.